Welcome to another edition of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over UFC Vegas 42, headlined by Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. Very, very much looking forward to this fight, as I think that, uh, you know, Max Holloway is just uh, a step or two away from another title shot. And not to mention, we really just want to see his encore, especially with the way that he was able to dispatch of Calvin Cater earlier this year. Yair Rodriguez obviously been out for a little while now and it's going to be refreshing to see him inside the cage great fight can't wait to break it down for you guys but first as we always do let's go over the betting recap of the last event it was ufc 268 obviously the big event that happened over there at msg and i had no lock of the night play however i felt like if i if i you know, had a little bit more confidence uh, i probably would have had a lock of the night play which was the the parlay that i hit and we probably would have cashed a lock of the night play, but uh, a couple of things go a little wrong, and and we end up with a slight losing night. Uh, let's start off with the winners. Obviously, I had a parlay of Ian Gary and Ode Osborne. The Gary fight didn't really start off the greatest, but I knew that knockout was coming eventually. Luckily, he was able to get it near the ending of that first round and get Jordan Williams out of there. The Ode Osborne fight. I'll be honest, I thought Osborne would be able to get him out of there early, but uh, Carlos Figueroa made it a very close fight, and I won't lie, I was sweating that ticket a little bit uh, once we uh, once we got to the decision there, but luckily, Ode Osborne got his hand raised. That was a two-unit parlay at plus 106 odds. That cashes for plus 2.12 units. Let's go to the other win that we had on the night, which was Alex Pereira inside the distance, one unit at plus 110. Thought that was a steal of a line, and uh, after Mihalaitis expended his gas tank in that first round trying to really clinch and grapple with Pereira um uh, we saw Pereira obviously go out there and, and get that beautiful flying knee knockout so good win for it Pereira there then we had a couple of L's um the under two and a half in the Melsic back Desarian and Bruno Souza fight. You know, Bruno, I know he is a little bit elusive, but I was surprised at the lack of engagement that he had in that fight, which, you know, really would have helped the finishing possibilities of Melsic. So I kind of understand why Bruno didn't engage as much, but I did think he'd engage enough that Melsic would be able to find that finish. So that's minus one unit on the under two and a half in that fight. Uh, also had a unit and a half on Frankie Edgar at plus 148 against Marlon Vera. Um, yeah, that Frankie's done. Let's let's put it that way. I liked what I was getting pre-fight, and we did obviously had a lot of success in that first round. But after that, it got a lot harder for Frankie to get what he was doing. Uh, and then Vera, obviously, we saw how we dispatched of him at the ending of that third round. So good win for Vera there. Uh, but it's minus one point five units for us there. Uh, and then we had a two-unit parlay, which started off great with Dustin Jacoby getting a, a decision victory win over John Allen on short notice. So let's give him some credit there. But, you know, I thought I had that, that parlay in the bag because uh, the second leg was Chandler and Gaethje doesn't go to decision almost got a finish in that second round and you know there's uh, absolute madness in that first round and we still get, didn't get a finish uh, so I just had a feeling after that first round it finished I'm like ooh, this might not hit now uh, and it didn't end up hitting so uh, probably the most obvious play on the card I'm sure a lot of people got burned on this as well with the fight doesn't go to decision but that is the MMA game Tiago Santos and Johnny Walker went five rounds a couple weeks ago uh, Bruno Capeloza and Ante D'Elia go five hard-fought rounds as well a couple weeks ago for PFL just gotta minimize my exposure on those types of you know this seems too good to be true kind of bet uh but yeah that that's minus two units there so all in all minus 1.28 units on ufc 268 uh, a couple bad bounces not really going our way uh but it is what it is we just 
get our shit back together get back on the horse and try to get some money back into our pockets this weekend and that's exactly what i'm banking on doing for ufc vegas 42 now shout out to the patreon patreon.com slash mmalotn link is in the description below five bucks a month you guys get a great discord community which is easy the most valuable thing on the entire patreon and at five bucks a month solid entry fee very easy you don't even see it coming off your credit card bill on a month-to-month basis or your paypal bill depending on how you set up your payments uh but not that you not just that you guys get early access to these breakdown videos you guys are about to see a best bets and props article where i go through every single fight on the card and give you my best bet and best prop for every single fight and not to mention uh we've got a couple other great things in there uh the pay-per-view parlay for the patrons every pay-per-view i put five percent of my earnings from patreon onto a parlay chosen by the patrons and if it hits i send the winnings to the winner we won this past weekend at ufc 268 and i'm sending over 160 bucks to uh to a random winner there who i drew uh the following day after a live draw stream that i did for them so ton of great things to check out on the patreon make sure you guys check it out again link is in the description below uh and then secondly uh coolbet coolbet.com use promo code mmalotn2 that's the promo code or sorry that's the number two once again mmalotn2 they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 bucks uh and yeah it's a great betting website you guys can parlay props you guys can you know you get great odds as well i actually made my locker than i play for this upcoming card uh on Quebec as well as my other play uh on this card on Quebec because you know sometimes they're a little bit slow with updating their odds which is great for us especially if we're a little bit behind on getting on tape study or anything like that so we can take advantage of those odds as well so make sure you guys check out Quebec. and that was another kind of promo piece i wanted to do for patreon is when i release my bet or when I place my bet, I release it on Patreon immediately, and then I don't drop it to the public until Friday, the day before the fights. So there could be tremendous line movement since the time that I placed the bet, but that's the benefit of being on the Patreon. You guys get the bet immediately so that we can get similar betting odds as well. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much a wrap on the intro here. Uh, if you guys haven't already, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe, uh, and yeah, hope you guys enjoy the breakdowns. I'll see you guys on the flip side for the outro. Da Un Jung versus Kennedy and Zetchuku. We got minus 120 on the Korean fighter and plus 100 on the Fortis MMA product, Kennedy and Zetchuku. Very intriguing fight here. You know, they, they were actually scheduled to fight back in October. The bout got rescheduled. Not entirely sure why, but here we are this weekend with them going up against each other. I believe the first fight of the night, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, da Un Jung obviously coming over uh, a hard-fought victory over William Knight where he's able to just impose as well with his uh, size and his strength. Really wear on William night and win that fight via decision we're on the flip side kennedy and zechuko has some has had some crazy fights in his last two fights obviously the last time around he was able to stop the takedowns of danilo marquez and really batter him on the feet and if you guys have been following me long enough you guys know i'm not very high on marquez at all and i've faded him even with mike rodriguez which is probably going to be the lowest point of my mma betting career betting mike rodriguez at chalk but i just really was not that high on danilo marquez at all Luckily, Kennedy and Zachuku brought a halt to that winning streak that Marquez was on. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't have any money on Zachuku that night because, you know, I thought he could potentially get taken down and, and grind it on and possibly submit it as well. You know, the fight before that against Carlos Olberg, that seemed like a setup fight for Olberg to go out there and get Zachuku out of there, especially given the odds. We had minus 230 on Carlos Olberg there. 
However, Kennedy's uh, durability and heart really shone through in that fight or shined through in that fight and was able to deal with the early onslaught for Alberg and then eventually get him out of that second round. But both those guys were hella gas in that fight. So, uh, you know, but but they did put on a pretty tremendous pace. So I completely understand that as well. Here with Dao Jung, though, I think that Jung is the slightly clean, cleaner fighter. Uh, what does he have? He has 16 fights now or 17 fights now to his name compared to the 10 that from Kennedy and Zetsuku. Not to mention, you know, the the ringer that Jung has really been put through over his last several fights even dating back to his regional scene right um Kennedy and Zajugu probably the biggest win on his record is Darko Stosic uh, but he did a really good job of, in terms of keeping Stosic on the outside and he had a huge height and reach advantage in that fight if you guys remember uh, not to mention all the point deductions from the Stosic side. Um, it was a very, very messy fight to begin with. But here against Jung, I think that Jung could, uh, you know, overpower him in certain spots. I know Enzechuku has a one-inch height advantage as well as a five-inch reach advantage. But I think that Jung is a slightly cleaner striker. Uh, I, I think that he knows how to utilize kind of the clinch and, and the grappling situations a little bit better than what Kennedy is doing. And again, you know, 10 fights into his career, I still think that Kennedy has some uh, improvements that he needs to make. Again, people are going to be like, how can you say that if he has wins over Allberg uh, and Marquez? Maybe not so much the Marquez side, but Allberg, mainly, mainly a kickboxer, right? He was coming over with a lot of hype on his name, but he just couldn't get it done early, and he had to deal with the durability of Enzechuku that night. The Marquez fight, again, uh, uh, Marquez not successful in terms of getting the fight to the ground and paid for it. But Darwin Jung is going to be a lot tougher of an out for, for Kennedy and Zetsuku. So uh, I lean Jung. Uh, I could see a similar game plan to where he, uh, you know, really leaned on William Knight. Maybe he tries to do the same thing here. Um, dragged Zetsuku to the ground and maybe get some ground and pound going. But I do lean on the Jung side. Not that most confidence, but I do think he gets him out of there. I'm going to go second round TKO for Darwin Jung. Rafael Alves versus Mark Diacasey. We got minus 180 on Diacasey and plus 160 on Alves. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now it's been it seems like it's been a little while since we've seen DKC inside the cage. The last time we did see him inside uh the octagon was against Hafiel Fiziev after he was already on a two-fight winning streak. Uh, but I felt that was a, a bad stylistic matchup for him, right? Something that we really start to see from DKC during his two-fight winning streak was his knack to go out there and really chop that lead leg of his opponents, use his calf kicks, render them defenseless, and then let his hands go after that. Uh he did it successfully against Joe Duffy, did it successfully against Lando Venata, but unfortunately he was going up against a very good Muay Thai practitioner and uh Rafael Alves and Alves did a really good job in terms of shutting down those calf kicks and then letting his own offense go and really damaging D Casey on the feet eventually getting that decision victory not to mention I think he landed uh, a takedown in that fight as well really showing the 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 variety and and the improvements that uh, Fiziev was making in his uh, in his game, Alves on the other hand made his UFC debut against Demir Ismagulov and gave him everything he could handle in that fight. Dropped him immediately in that first round and then had some good success in that third round, really pushing Ismagulov around that not a lot of people expected Alves to have much success in. You know, if you go back and watch a lot of his fights, he has uh, a, a you know a game that's highly predicated on big explosions, big movements, big action which drains his gas tank but luckily enough for him he has that finishing capability to finish these guys within the first two rounds that the third round doesn't really come into play so it was very surprising to see him have as much energy as he did in that third round against Amir that he did 
Here against DKC, though, I think that we'll see DKC be defensively sound enough here to keep this fight on the feet, get his calf kicks going, slow down Al uh, Alves, and then maybe, maybe get him out of there in that third round. But I do think that we'll see him have an all-around striking clinic here against Alves. Uh, again, got to be very defensively sound. Alves, very explosive, very quick, can find that chin really quickly. And if DKC is slacking any second in this fight, he could absolutely be staring up at the lights with Alves with his hands up in victory. Again, would surprise me if that happens. I do like EAKC here. I like his game. Still think he has enough left in the tank. There was big, big potential and, and, and uh, you know, a lot of high hopes for him earlier in his UFC career. Then he obviously went on a bit of a skid, losing to Dan Hooker and Nazra Hackpress. But I do think he still has the ingredients to go out there and have a really good uh, uh, stint in the UFC. He's still only 28 years old, right? Kids still making improvements. So uh, very much looking forward to what he brings to the table here against Alves. Uh, again, I think it's going to be a ton of calf kicks, a ton of movement, uh, you know, maybe some... Uh, maybe some hesitancy in terms of letting his combinations go early, but I think the longer that the fight goes, it will uh, um, be an advantage towards DKC, and he should be able to you know, open up a little bit more the later that this fight goes. So I'm going Mark DKC, and I'm going to uh, take him to win this fight via decision. Courtney Casey versus Liana Jojua. We got minus 240 on Courtney Casey and plus 200 the return on Liana Jojua. Now, I can't remember the last time Courtney Casey's been minus 200 against anybody, but that just lets you know what kind of opposition we're getting here with Liana Jojo, who did get TKO'd on the ground by Sarah Morass just three fights ago. Now, she hasn't been in the cage since, I believe, UFC 254, where she lost via cut stoppage to Miranda Maverick, and that just, you know, that was pretty much how that fight was going to go no matter how it went, or, or, you know, whether it got stopped by that cut or not. You know, Miranda was just a much better fighter that night, and her Muay Thai was very much shining that night, which is why she was able to open up that beautiful cut uh, via an elbow uh, and then get that stoppage shortly thereafter. Uh, Liana Jojo, her sole win in the UFC comes after Diana Belbita has an absolute brain fart of a moment, taking her fight to the ground, whereas the only, you know, pretty much the only way that Jojo was going to win that fight, and then she quickly got submitted via an armbar right, excuse me, right after that. Courtney Casey, you know, she should have the slightly better striking air. She's going to have some range as well, a five-inch reach advantage as well as a three-inch height advantage. And I think she should, you know, do a decent enough job in terms of putting some output there, uh, landing a couple of takedowns if she needs to. But, you know, I know Juju has been training over there at uh, Sarah Longo and, and, you know, really trying to diversify her training. I just don't know if she's going to be able to make those improvements to go out there and beat a girl like Courtney Casey. With that said, though... Minus 240 on Courtney Casey is just absolute bonkers to me. There's no way I'm paying that money. I'm skipping this fight altogether. But I do think that Courtney Casey goes out there and, and wins a, a total MMA fight. Some striking, some grappling, some takedowns. I think Jojo's real shot to only win this fight is, is you know, pulling off reversals on the ground if Casey does decide to get this fight to the ground. Or something that's kind of been, you know, successful for a lot of people if they go out there and fight Courtney Casey is just take her down. You know what I mean? It seems like there are instances where Casey almost accepts being on her back and uh, Jojo could absolutely do that, which is why I'm not laying minus 240 on Courtney Casey. However, I'd be surprised if Casey, you know, ends up losing this fight. Uh, she she is the better fighter here. I know she's 34 years old, uh, eight year, uh, the elder of Liana Jojua, but I think it's still going to be enough for her to go out there and get this win. So I'm going Courtney Casey and I'll take her to win this fight via decision. 
Sean Woodson versus Colin Anglin. We got minus 325 on Sean Woodson and plus 265 on Colin Anglin. Now, uh, I'm intrigued by this fight because we, we got a solid grappler versus a solid striker. And, uh, you know, it comes down to who's going to be able to implement the game properly here. We, we've seen Sean Woodson, you know, deal with a lot of grapplers and a lot of clinching and still come out on the winning side. But when you have such a small margin for error, if he doesn't, you know, get out of those bad positions where, it, you know, opponents are able to pin him up against the cage and get a ton of control time he could be in some trouble you know uh, his lone loss inside the ufc obviously came against a julian arosa but arosa took a different approach because he was able to match you know the height and the reach and obviously the the the, the skill and the striking and then he just kept uh pushing sean woodson and eventually broke him in that third round uh finding that submission after he was able to get the takedown in that fight uh, there's so many times where, you know, um, Sean Woodson seems to have trouble getting off the, the cage. But when he does and he's able to get back to range and get back to his, uh, you know, kickboxing range and, and style, he's able to put together some good output and some good activity, which sways the judges in his favor at, at certain points. But like he gives up so much control time. Uh, he gave up about three and a half minutes of control time against Terrence McKinney. There's no official UFC stats on it. But if you just watch the fight, you know, McKinney gets the takedowns grinds out uh, uh, Woodson for about a round and a half but McKinney did take that fight on short notice start to gas in that second round and we saw a beautiful flying knee from Sean Woodson which secured him his contract inside the UFC but then his UFC debut gives up about four and a half minutes of control time to Bakniak who not the greatest wrestler you know more of a brawler than anything but he was having success pinning Woodson up against the cage however Woodson like I said, anytime he gets back to range, he's able to put together some good combinations and output, which usually, you know, the, the judges are able to favor. Zalal, uh, uh, I believe he got six and a half minutes of control time against Woodson. Wands the first round off of control time, pushing Woodson up against the cage and, and really controlling him there and, and making it difficult for Woodson to get back to his comfortable uh space inside the cage but luckily for Woodson he was able to do it in the second and third rounds win those on the judges scorecards and then take home the decision victory there so this is going to be the second fight now for Factory X against Sean Woodson first they had use of Zalal now they have Colin Anglin who could potentially uh you know make it a little bit closer uh again I think these odds are a little bit out of whack here uh if Anglin is able to push him up against the cage and get some control time he could you know sway the judges in his favor and in my opinion his striking is probably a little bit better than what Yusuf brought to the table so I think he could remain competitive in the striking run if he needs to um I think the line is way out of whack here um, you know, it, it's going to come down to will uh, England be able to push him up against the cage, maybe land a couple takedowns and get to work on the ground. Or will Woodson be able to stay at range and get his boxing off? Uh, I will say this about England. I know he got knocked out in his, his last fight against Malisic Bagdazarin, which is probably, you know, playing into the line here. Uh, I'd be surprised if Woodson actually gets a knockout as well. You know, but, uh, Colin had had some decent defense in that Bagdazarian fight, but he slipped up for one second, you know, didn't have the the striking shield up high enough or hard enough. And we saw Malisic land a beautiful head kick and it just absolutely shattered that shield of that, that hand and it hit the the, the temple of uh, Colin, sends him uh, to the ground, and obviously gets to finish in that fight. If Woodson's able to do something similar like that, I'd be surprised. You know, we know Melsic, just as we saw last week, throws everything into his punches and his kicks and everything. I'd be surprised if Woodson is able to replicate something similar to that. So I, I'm actually going to go Anglin here. I'm leaning the Anglin side. I think he gets his, uh, you know, clinching and grappling going. And even in the striking realm, I think he stays competitive enough so that he can eventually get to the clinch and the takedowns 
and then really sway the judges on his side. And again, second straight training camp now uh, where Factory X is going to be going up against Woodson. Gotta believe they took some stuff from that Zalal fight, are going to make the adjustments here with possibly a better fighter in Colin Anglin, and then he should be able to go out there and uh, carry out those those uh, war orders, if that's what you want to call them, and, and get his game going. So I'm going to go Anglin, Anglin by decision, uh, which is plus 470, solid line there. But even on the money line at plus 265, I think that's a damn good spot. So I'm going Colin Anglin, and I'm going to take him to win this fight via decision. Cynthia Calvillo versus Andrea Lee. We got minus 130 on Calvillo and plus 110 on Andrea Lee. Now, I already have two units on Calvillo a little bit earlier in the week when I got her at minus 109. Uh, and, you know, I, I did expect the line to start to go towards Calvillo the longer the fight week went on. And that's exactly what it seems to be going on here. Now, it's interesting the amount of crazy wide lines and and wonky lines that we're getting from Calvio fights over the last several fights uh you know the the Catlin Chukagian fight she was a minus 230 minus 240 favorite in that fight I didn't really understand those numbers to be honest uh I was happy to cash on Chukagian in that spot because I thought she had the perfect game plan and and style to give a girl like Calvio some troubles uh then she was an underdog to Poliana Botelio which didn't make any sense she was a minus 220 favorite against Carlos Esparza so some very weird and wonky lines but uh, i think there is another weird and wonky line this weekend with her and i think that she should be an even bigger favorite here against andrea lee to be honest um on the feet obviously andrea lee will have the striking advantage but i don't think the margin is going to be as wide uh you know as it was in the chukagian fight you know chukagian had a great mixture of footwork movement and using her distance properly whereas andrea lee you know sometimes she overthrows sometimes she commits to her strikes a little bit too much and gives up some takedowns most notably like that roxanne modafferi fight and why i bring up takedowns is i think that's the big path to victory here for Cynthia Calvio uh you know there's there's no way that she can trust herself no matter how long she spent over there at Tiger Muay Thai before her fight against Catelyn Jukagin you know no matter how much you say uh, that she trained over there at Tiger Muay Thai she's got to believe that she knows she's going to be behind in the striking room if she goes out there and tries to outstrike Andrea Lee so gotta believe that she's going to be going for some takedowns here she's landed at least one takedown in eight of her 10 fights in the ufc and on the flip side for andrea lee she's given up a takedown in every single one of her fights except her last fight against anthony and shevchenko where shevchenko didn't even shoot for a takedown in that fight so um you know opportune takedowns from cynthia calvio and not to mention i think that calvio is the best bjj practitioner that andrea lee has faced in the ufc to this point so if roxanne modafferi was having solid you know success from that top control that she was able to get against andrea lee gotta believe that cynthia calvio will be able to do the same thing here again i think that the margin uh, or sort of the discrepancy in skill is much larger on the ground in favor of cynthia calvio than it is in the striking realm in favor of andrea lee uh Again, I don't see Lee knocking her out. I think Calvio will drag this fight to the ground. And I do think she has a solid shot to go out there and uh, and get a submission. If it doesn't come to fruition, uh, her decision prop is, is decent enough at plus 150. Uh, again, her, her money line is good enough as well at minus 120, minus 130, even minus 150 in my opinion. Because I do think we'll see her go out there and land takedowns and, and just get the better of Andrea Lee there. I'm not the most impressed by Andrew Lee's takedown defense. And then on the ground, again, I think they're going to be levels apart here with Calvio being the much better grappler in this spot. So I like Calvio a lot here. Official prediction is going to be decision, but I will be keeping my eye on that submission prop or that inside the distance prop as well for Calvio, as I do think that she should be able to snatch up a neck at, at a certain point if uh, Lee gives her that opening. So uh, official prediction, 
Calvillo by decision. Tiago Moises versus Joel Alvarez. We got minus 250 on Moises and plus 210 the return on the Spaniard Joel Alvarez. Now Alvarez is on a three-fight winning streak, uh, finishing all three of his last opponents. Uh, Ale- uh, Alexander Yakovlev gets him in a in a in a armbar. Uh, Joe Duffy submits him via guillotine, and then Danilo Belardo. He pulls off a comeback in that fight in the second round. He was able to reverse the position after Belardo was pretty much riding him from the first and the first half of the first round and the first half of the second round uh but then it seemed like he tired himself out trying to control alvarez uh gives up the reversal and then alvarez goes to absolute town on him with some ground and pound and gets him out of there in that fight that was obviously after his ufc debut against Demir's magulov where he came in on short notice and just could do nothing against the guy in demir who was the much better striker in there maintained his distance well used his pressure properly and just really confused uh the game of joel alvarez and just outstruck him on the feet so great game plan there from demir's mugulov obviously as a minus 325 favorite getting the job done there via decision uh joel alvarez's game is pretty much predicated on him getting submissions and him getting the finish because in most fights he's always down you know i mean he's always behind and he's always able to kind of use the homer simpson approach where his guys almost just kind of his opponents almost gas out and then he's able to lock on a submission of some sort against them his striking game is slowly coming together but it's a lot of one and done right a lot of leg kicks a lot of body kicks a lot of big shots from the outside uh but it almost seems like he just is just waiting for the the grappling to to to, to start taking place so that he can start go- getting going with his jiu-jitsu game uh you know the the Yakovlev fight the Duffy fight like he just kept ripping leg kicks ripping body kicks up until the point that his opponents took him down and then from there he was just you know comfortable enough to eventually pull off a submission off of his back which is exactly what he did in those fights however if he thinks that he's going to do that against a high level black belt here like Tiago Moises I'd be surprised if he thinks he's going to be able to go out there and submit that guy uh, I think Tiago Moises has the advantage on the feet better combinations getting better as well great leg case himself uh, good pacing uh, solid wrestling as well so I do think if he decides to take this fight to the ground he can go out there and grind out Joel over 15 minutes if he chooses so uh, I saw an interview saying that he wants to go for a highlight reel knockout here you know the longer that this fight's on the feet the closer I think it could potentially be you know especially with the the height advantage that Joel will have on the feet uh, he's gonna have what is that a three uh, two about a five inch height advantage four to five inch height advantage as well as a six and a half inch reach advantage however Tiago Moises you know not the biggest lightweight out there so he's definitely faced bigger fighters in the past uh, but I don't think he'll really struggle here I think we'll see him attack the leg kicks himself maybe the calf kick but I think landing takedowns and really dragging this fight to the ground will, will be his saving grace because there's no way that Joel Alvarez is going to out jujitsu a guy like Tiago Moises in my opinion so very high on Tiago Moises in the spot. I think he's worth the minus 250 shot, to be honest. And I have him in my lock of the night parlay with something later on in this card uh, because I believe that those are the two safest spots on this card. Great stylistic matchup from Tiago Moises. Gotta believe the guys over there at uh, ATT are devising the perfect game plan to deal with a guy like Joel Alvarez. And then from there, he should be able to go out there. And in my opinion, I think he's going to grind out Joel. Let's just, you know, let's try to stop a, a club and sub situation or even a Hail Mary knockout situation, get this fight to the ground, and then from there, there let your jiu-jitsu do the talking. So I like Tiago Moises here, uh, and I'm going to go with him to win this fight via decision. Not the most confident on the, the method of victory here, but I do think that he gets it done regardless, whether it's decision or finish. For the sake of this prediction uh, video, I'm going to go with decision. 
Song Yudong versus Julio Arce. We got minus 135 on Song Yudong and plus 115 the return on the Tiger Shulman trained Julio Arce. And as soon as this fight was announced, I had it circled in terms of uh, from an entertainment standpoint because I think this fight is going to be absolutely phenomenal. It should be a great fight and a potential fight of the night candidate as well. Uh, when the betting odds came out, I circled the Julio Arce side as I believed uh, he could be the value side here as the underdog, and I think people might be overlooking him. However, after running the tape, uh, I believe that Song Yudong is a side here, and it's funny that the line is actually coming in, uh, making it pretty, you know, putting it in a bettable range for me. I might actually have uh, a, a single shot here on the money line on Song Yudong. Now, I actually did bet against Song in his last fight against Casey Kenny, as I believe that Kenny would have success in terms of getting the fight into the grappling room and then winning the scrambling and, and, and just getting the better positions and just, you know, winning off of control time and being the more active fighter. However, Song did a very good job in terms of shutting that shit down and getting his striking off and really punishing Casey Kenny in that fight. Uh, Yudong earned a tremendous amount of respect from me in that fight. You know, I, I was very high on Casey Kenny and didn't think he had the chops uh, or, or didn't think he was actually going to lose to to a guy like Yudong. But Yudong, like I said, stuffed the takedowns, was ahead of the game, and was obviously landing the much better strikes in the in the striking exchanges. Here against Julio Arce, Arce might try to play the matador role, right? Kind of similar to what Kyler Phillips was successful in doing against Song Yudong. However, Julio still gets hit, man. Like, he, he still puts himself in danger. And uh, even though he's going to have a three-inch reach advantage in this fight, I think that we'll see Song move forward, land the big shots, really hurt uh, Arce, and keep putting him on the back foot. I, I like Song. A decent amount in this fight to be honest uh again it hurts me to say that especially against a guy and julio arce who i've been pretty big on in the past however i do think that we'll see yudong again move forward uh land the bigger strikes um and i don't know if he'll finish julio um but i do think that he'll uh pretty much have the judges in his favor based on how i see these rounds going down so uh again i like song uh if there is any type of bjj or wrestling threat from julio we know that song could obviously shut that down and then in the striking range it's going to be you know possible volume and the finesse from the rsa side against the power and the brute strength that's going to be coming forward pretty much the entire time from the song yadong side so i'm going song and i'll pick him to win this fight via decision Miguel Baeza versus Chaos Williams. We got minus 140 on Baeza and plus 120 on Chaos Williams. Now, this is the fighter that i was waiting to get to fade a guy like chaos williams however there's just something in the back of my head in regards to chaos's william chaos williams's knockout power and the ability to, for him to find that chin of baeza and put him out here that's really the only way i see chaos really in this fight right he had a great performance against matthew Samuelsberger, where you know i didn't give him enough credit in that fight but he did a good job of putting together solid combinations and really just delivering a, a very solid 15 minutes against a guy like matthew Samuelsberger, who i thought would have the advantage of this fight went 15 minutes but chaos you know showing improvements however he's going up against a much better striker here in Baeza who is very keen on really attacking that calf uh kick something that uh, you know usually renders his opponents uh immobile and he's able to get his hands going after that uh he wasn't able to successfully do that against Pons Nibio in his last fight uh we saw him win the first round but after that Pons was able to take over uh, but I don't think that Baeza will have as much to worry about here with Williams outside of that uh that 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 crazy power that he'll probably only carry for about a round or a round and a half um 
I like Baeza a lot in the spots. Uh, this could be one of those spots where if you play Baeza, you know, you could hedge with Chaos by Knockout, as that's probably his best way to win this fight. Um, but I, 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 I I just like Baeza, you know, I, I think if he's smart enough, maybe attack the calf kick a little bit here, then go for the takedown, then let your jiu-jitsu shine, because I don't think that uh, Chaos has much at all to offer on the ground here against Baeza, who's a very, uh, you know, solid black belt. We obviously saw when he was able to uh, uh, submit Takashi Sato a couple fights ago, and I think that we could see it shine here once again against Chaos Williams. So um, I am going to go Baeza. I may play him. I'm still considering it. You know, it's still Wednesday fight week, so I'm, I'm still mulling it over. But I do like Baeza here. And I think if he's smart, he's go, he goes out there, uh, strikes long enough to be able to open up a takedown opportunity, take advantage of that takedown opportunity, and then go to work with your jiu-jitsu and, and really nullify that knockout power coming back from Chaos Williams. So I'm actually going to go Miguel Baeza, and I'll take him to win this fight by, let's go second round submission. Felicia Spencer versus Leah Letson. We got minus 310 on Felicia Spencer and plus 255 is the return on the returning Leah Letson. Now, we haven't seen Leah Letson since the Ultimate Fighter finale of the season that she was on. And we're talking about a three-year layoff now uh, where she was able to pick up a decision victory over Yulia Stolyarenko after she was bounced from the Ultimate Fighter uh, tournament by losing to Macy Casson after some vicious knees in the clinch there. But uh, going into this, I really thought that I was going to have Felicia Spencer as a solid parlay piece for this weekend. However, after running the tape, I'm just a little bit... Um yeah, I'm a little bit more impressed with what I've been seeing from Leah Letson, considering that I had very low hopes for her. You know, this is more so a spot where I felt like Felicia Spencer could go out there and and get this uh, fighter to the ground and really do her work and really shine where you know she she shines, which is when she's able to get her opponents to the ground and do some work from on top. And I thought that Leah would be one of those girls that would give it up to her easily here. But uh, just off, just off of watching some of the tape, you know, it seems like Letson has the slightly better striking, uh, good aggressiveness, good output, good volume. Uh, good footwork is what well, decent enough footwork um and she does give up some takedowns which is where the concern lies for me uh but every time she gets taken down it seems like she works right back to her feet pretty easily um but again that's against lower level of competition compared to what she's going to be going up against here with felicia spencer who is easily the best fighter she's faced uh in the ufc as an official fight uh and uh, the best uh, BJJ slash, uh, you know, top control specialist she's going to be going up against. So that is a bit of a concern. Uh, another interesting aspect is Letson obviously took a three-year layoff here. It had to do with uh, health issues, though. Apparently, she, you know, her thyroid was off or, you know, the, there are just a ton of things that were her mitochondria. Like, there were just so many things with her body, which made it really difficult for her to cut weight and, you know, have a full amount of energy. But after consulting with the, with the specialist... She was able to sort that self out or that stuff out. And you can see just from her Instagram alone that she's in much better shape than we've ever seen her before. So you got to believe that there's been some good things going on with her, with her nutrition, with her training. She's with a new training camp as well. Uh, apparently, there's a couple guys from the Rufus Sport team that left Rufus Sport and made their own gym now. And that's who she's training under. So she must be getting some good, uh, you know, time and, and focus from those coaches as well. Uh 
but yeah, that, that's an, she's an interesting dog here. Um, again, it, my concern is just if she gets taken down, what it's going to look like and if she'll have any success in terms of getting back to her feet. Because if Spencer gets her to the ground and she's as good as I think she is on the ground, I think Spencer could potentially get her out of there as well. TKO, submission, whatever it might be. But uh, Letson, man, like she she looks in great shape. Uh, you know, she has the, the skills and the tools to beat a girl like uh, Felicia Spencer, especially if she's able to keep this fight upright. One one thing I noticed in the normal Duman fight for Felicia Spencer is, you know, people are wondering why, you know, there isn't even a statistical uh, takedown attempt for Felicia Spencer in that fight. But I think that normal Dumont did a great thing in that fight in terms of sniffing out when those takedowns were going to be coming and just shutting it down before she could even get anywhere near uh, a takedown attempt. And what I mean by that is like just watch some of the exchanges that they have in that fight. You know, that you see kind of there's certain instances where Felicia bull rushes forward and, and she tries to clinch up with. Uh, Norma, but Norma digs the underhooks right away, pivots off, and kind of just redirects Felicia Spencer into the cage, and then she turns her back and gets back to the center of the cage. And that's what really caused Felicia problems in that fight. And then when it was in the striking room, the couple combinations and the output that Norma Dumont was throwing was more than enough for her to get that win in that fight. Uh, so that that's where the the concern lays for Felicia. If she's not able to get this fight to the ground, she could get outpointed on the feet. So uh, again, I do think that Felicia is good enough to get Letson out of there if she does get this fight to the ground, but I'm not willing to pay minus 310 for it. So let's fuck around with some props, right? Uh, there's a couple props that I like for this, and I'm playing, and I wouldn't mind playing both sides, but I, I may have an official bet on the Leah Letson via decision because. Felicia, if anything, we've seen that she's very durable. She went 25 minutes with Amanda Nunes. She went 15 minutes with Cyborg Santos. And, uh, you know, they, they just couldn't get her out of there. I'd be surprised if Leah Letson is the one that gets her out of there. So uh, Letson by decision plus 390, I like. Uh, Spencer inside the distance plus 230. That's a decent side as well if you like the Felicia Spencer side. Because, again, if she gets takedowns and she dominates on top, it's more than likely going to result in a, in a finish. If not, that means that... Letson is going to be getting back to her feet, and then the striking exchanges, I think, could lean to the Letson side just based on the output and the type of striking that I've been seeing from her. So the official prediction is going to be uh, Felicia Spencer's second round T submission, TKO submission. I'll go with submission. However, uh, my bet may actually be Letson by decision here, uh, given the value that I believe we're getting and uh, the, the unknowns, right? Um yeah, I, I'm picking Felicia to win. That would be my official prediction, but don't be surprised if I have a Letson ticket come fight night. Ben Rothwell versus Marcos Hajirio de Lima. We got minus 150 on Big Ben Rothwell and plus 130 on Hajirio de Lima. Now, I'm seeing a lot of love for de Lima out there, and, you know, it's it could be some recency bias, or all, it could also be, you know, they, they believe that Ben Rothwell is really starting to slow down. But uh, based on his last couple fights, you know, and based on how Hajirio de Lima fights, I just don't think that that uh, underdog shot on de Lima is going to come through here. Now, obviously, there is the big worry about de Lima's leg kicks. He does throw devastating leg kicks. Uh, but outside of that, you know, he's power. And then if fights are really not going his way, he seems to uh, break almost. And then his opponents are able to finish him. You know, I believe he's been to the third round 
uh, a couple times, and he's been able to win decisions in his fights. However, they're just against opponents where he's able to get takedowns like Maurice Green, like Adam Wizardcheck, uh, and then from there he's able to just lay on top of them and just you know put together enough action and volume that the referee actually won't end up stopping the fight. Uh, he's going to struggle, in my opinion, to get Ben Rothwell down consistently and hold him down. Now, Tybura, obviously, he had some success in terms of taking that, uh, down Ben Rothwell late in this fight, but that's after he put together a pretty good strike uh display you know good output good volume and really start to not break ben rothwell but really uh give him some fits and then later in that fight he was able to mix in a cup uh a takedown and get rothwell to the ground and do some work from on top i'm not expecting that from adrio de lima here um you know i think he's gonna have to deal with the the pressure and, and the the threat of the the power of ben rothwell and i think that alone will keep uh de lima you know slightly hesitant and then eventually gas and then eventually break uh i don't mind ben rothwell on the money line here i'm concerning a bet on it uh but even him inside the distance i do think after delima is not able to get his game going he will slow down ben rothwell will catch up to him and then he's going to be able to throw some big strikes and get delima out of there whether it's a choke off for a desperation takedown or just an accumulative amount of strikes and ben rothwell has some very uh, underrated power as well i think he lands correctly on the chin of delima especially if delima is starting to slow down we're going to see a ton of trouble uh and i think that we'll see rothwell get his hand raised uh you know again some at some point inside the distance uh so yeah i'm gonna go with ben rothwell this is not no maurice green you know i i do like ben rothwell here and even though he's at 40 years old four years older than hajurio de lima i still think he has enough in the tank to go out there and beat a guy like de lima who in my opinion again he's grapple fuck or i don't want to call it grapple fuck or bust you know i mean he he can grapple fuck you but it's against guys that are willing to uh, or, or will be really easy to take down, which historically hasn't been the easiest against a guy like Ben Rothwell. Um, so I think Delima could potentially struggle in that aspect. And then, uh, you know, unless he knocks out Ben Rothwell in the first round, that will be another, uh, uh, you know, kind of surprise to me. Ben Rothwell has had pretty damn good durability over the years, uh, especially recently. So if Delima is the one to knock him out, I'd be a little bit surprised. But uh yeah, I really like Ben Rothwell here. I think he'll be able to deal with the early onslaught, then start to come on later and get uh, Dilim out of there probably in the second or third round. So I like Ben Rothwell, and I'm going to say second round. Uh, let's go submission i'm gonna go uh second round submission after a desperation takedown attempt from hajario de lima puts him on his back gives up his neck and Ben Rothwell takes it on home with him. So once again, second round submission for big Ben Rothwell time for the main event we got max holloway finally coming back to the cage after his career best performance against calvin cater back in january and he's taking off taking on yair rodriguez in a fight that a lot of people have been clamoring for over the last couple years now we finally get it this weekend and i can't wait for it to go down now obviously we got heavy chalk on the max holloway side at minus 600 and how could you not be considering the last couple fights that he's had I know uh, he lost those two Alexander Volkanovsky fights, a very close fight, especially the second fight. Uh, and then he had a beautiful performance against Calvin Cater, just absolutely demolishing him from bell to bell. I actually had a little bit of a bet on Calvin Cater in that fight because I thought he was a technically better striker in that fight. Uh, but Max just achieved this godlike mode where it didn't matter at all. He was able to put the pace and pressure on Cater, completely outnumber him with strikes and just just absolutely demolish him you could have stopped that fight in rounds four or five at any point and i think everybody would have been okay with it but we did see calvin kidder take unnecessary damage in those rounds uh and see that 25 minute mark 
not a good look at all. But Max really did turn the turn the Jets on in that fight, and it was clear as day that he was really taking over that fight. Yair Rodriguez on the flip side is coming off a win over Jeremy Stevens in a fight where the tide was clearly turning in Jeremy Stevens's favor. Uh, you know, it seemed like the pace and the the forward movement and having to evade the big shots of Jeremy Stevens was really catching up to Yair Rodriguez. Um, but uh, luckily enough with the scoring, Yair was able to score those first two rounds and then he was able to come away with a decision victory. Now input Max Holloway plus another two rounds. I think we're going to see an even worse beat down, especially what we're seeing in that third round from Jeremy Stevens. Um, I, I like Max a lot here. Obviously, he's a part of my lock of the night parlay. Uh, I, do, I have very low doubts that uh, Yair Rodriguez is going to be able to spring the upset here. I think you, uh, if you think he has any shot here, taking him round one, taking him round two, or even taking him by KO is the best way to go about it. Uh, otherwise, I think he's going to be drowning in rounds three, four, and five. Now, some people might bring up the rebuttal that, look, he knocked out Korean Zombie in the fifth round of their fight. But stylistically speaking, that was a completely different fight than what we're going to be getting from Max Holloway this weekend. Holloway is not going to let him breathe. Holloway is just going to continue to put the output and only get more and more and more as the fight goes on. And I don't think that a guy like Yair Rodriguez is going to be able to deal with that. So unless there's a Hail Mary knockout within the first two rounds from Yair, Max Holloway likely cru cruises in this fight and gets to finish in rounds three, four, or five. Uh, officially, I'm going to say round four for Max Holloway, TKO. I think he just overwhelms Yair, breaks him, and then eventually gets him out of there via TKO. I love me some Max Holloway in this spot. Great stylistic matchup for him, and I think he blows through Yair Rodriguez after taking a round or two to figure out uh, the distance and what kind of style that, well, not style, but you know, just getting the timing and the feel and making his reads, and then from there he should be able to really turn it on and, and get Yair out of there. So I'm going to say round four did I say round five or round four? Officially, we'll go with round four, TKO, Max Holloway. And that's a wrap on the breakdowns. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, make sure you guys hit that like, hit that subscribe so we can get this whole YouTube algorithm thing on our side so we can get some more subscribers, continue to grow this community, and continue killing the game. Also, shout out to the guys on Patreon. Link is in the description below. Five bucks a month. Best bang for your buck on the market. Make sure you guys go check that out. And then obviously, shout out to CoolBet. CoolBet.com. Use promo code MMALOTN2. That's the number two. And they'll match your initial deposit up to 200 hundred bucks so shout out to cool bet and uh lastly la last thing i wanted to plug uh i want to get the comment section a little bit more lit in here right like usually we have about 30 40 comments uh a video or something like that but i want to get a little bit more and i want to jump in the comment section and talk to you guys as well so let's do this drop your lock of the night play in the comment section below and i'll give you guys my quick thoughts on it you know obviously you guys are going to hear my thoughts throughout this podcast or had heard my thoughts on this uh throughout the podcast but again i want to engage in some in some context is there something that you didn't agree with uh, you do agree with whatever it may be let's get some discord going on in the uh in the comment section below so make sure you guys Hit the comment section below with your lock of the night play, and I'll try to give you guys a rebuttal or some confirmation in terms of how I feel about it. All right. Good luck on your bets this weekend. Again, a ton of content coming your way uh, throughout the week. Thursday, propping you up with John. Uh, Friday, Ultimate Wayne Show. Don't have a guest locked in yet, but I will drop that news as soon as I can. And then Friday, Fight Day live chat. I believe we have a 2 p.m. Eastern start time for the card, so I might do about maybe 11 a.m. or noon Eastern for the Fight Day live chat. But another early card. Love that as an East Coaster. And uh, we can be done so that we can still go out there and do something on a Saturday night and be a freaking human being, folks. 
All right, good luck on your bets this weekend. I'll see you guys once again next week for UFC Vegas 43, headlined by Ketlin, Vieira, and Misha Tate. At least it's a fight card, right? All right, good luck on your bets this weekend, fellas.